The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 10. We've made it to double digits. We have got some great stuff for you today. As always, this is the best place for cigars and Chicago sports, and we will, as we usually do, probably broaden a little bit beyond Chicago sports. Let's set the scene. We are at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois, at The Place. That is a cigar lounge. It's called The Place. We would love to have you join us anytime, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove. All importantly, you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. That's at Cigars and Sports. Please do that. You can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to bring in my partner, Phil Sullivan. Phil, how are you doing tonight? What doing are you smoking? Great, doing great. Uh, tonight, I went to one of our house blends. I tried a little house blend Maduro here. I don't even know where we get them from, but we got them. We like them. So that's, I thought I'd uh, veer off from my uh, regular uh, Arturo Fuente blend and uh, thought I'd try that tonight. Going cheap well, tonight? I actually like those house yeah. blends. Well, I'm going cheap. I wasn't even going to smoke because, uh, as you know, I had a uh, classic old man procedure performed this morning, so I wanted to kind of take it easy. None of them. Would you like to give us any detail on that classic old man uh, procedure? I, no, I don't please think don't. I don't. Please say not another. Well, word. I'll just say all good. So that's a that's a good thing. All right, well, that's good to hear. I am smoking a Lafleur Dominicana El Jaco Perfecto Number Two Natural Wrapper, as uh, I do frequently. So uh, always excited about that. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight, and we're going to break format a little bit as we're going to bring in our guest sooner. Certainly, we're going to recap the championship games. We're going to talk about the Bears GM and coach hires. We'll break down the press conference a little bit. Um, we'll go through the the moves so far. So we're going to talk a lot of Bears. We obviously will, uh, in, in conjunction with talking about the championship games, we will get our pick for the Super Bowl. And based on how I did last week, not that anyone listening would care um, what that is. Maybe we'll talk a little uh, Brady retirement. Um, then, breaking news this afternoon, we're going to talk about the biggest story in sports, in my opinion, what will turn out to be the biggest story in sports probably in the last 10 years, which is um, this Brian Flores uh, lawsuit against the NFL and the Dolphins and the New York Giants. So we'll break that down a little bit and talk about it. And also, if we have a couple of minutes, we'll talk a little bulls. Um, Okay, let's also start as we always do. Time for a quick baseball update. Here we go. Here's everything that is going on in Major League Baseball. Okay, that was our Major League Baseball update. Great. Looks like spring training is getting pushed back, too, so we got that to look forward to. Okay, so we're going to break format tonight, and we're going to bring in our guest because he's so great right now. So he lives in the desert, but born and bred in Chicago, Daniel Davis. And Daniel is the founder of an organization called Tap That Ash, and yes, we will uh, talk about the origins of the name in a minute, but we are very excited to uh, welcome you to Cigars and Sports Chicago, Daniel. How's it going? It's going great. Steve, Phil, thanks for having me on, man. 
So uh, how's uh, how's the weather in the desert? Now you don't want to know this. This will end the podcast short. You don't want to hear about seventy degrees and perfect. <laughs> well, let me tell you how. Let me tell you how it is here. Um, I just went and uh, got a uh, water before coming up here, and my son told me. And Phil, this would be a good old man rant thing for you. So they have already canceled school for tomorrow because we're supposed to get, I don't know, we're supposed to get six or eight inches of snow, but there is no more cancellation anymore because now it's simply a virtual day. So one of the things that they are now committed to are no more snow days during the pandemic. If you, if the teachers look at the weather report, make sure you got your materials to bring home and uh, tomorrow will be a virtual school day at Downers Grove South. Now, Daniel, you don't know him very well, but basically anything that has been originated after 1956, Phil is usually not in favor of. Um, he's one of those leatherhead, one of those leather helmet football guys. So, what do you think about uh, virtual school during the snowstorm, there, Phil? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just another example that a generation of uh, of yeah weak people are being raised. Dan, Dan, being from the south side like me, uh, probably walked uphill both ways to school. You know, through a foot and a half of snow facts, and facts. <laughs> all facts, and uh, it certainly didn't hurt us at all. By the way, both of you guys are full of shit. All you did was stayed home and watch cartoons during a snow day. So, I mean, give me a break. All right. Hey, listen, man. Shoveling driveways, man. Sidewalks. No, that's what we did. We handled that's it. That's what we did. Right? <laughs> we handled it. Yeah. Although, ironically, I'm not even a snowblower guy. I actually find it to be therapeutic to shovel whenever possible. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to talk a little bit about tap that ash. And obviously, I'm being very careful in uh, in pronouncing it. So, Daniel, tell us a little bit about tap that ash. You're a founder. Give us the lowdown. And I guess, first of all, for those of you who are not Curb Your Enthusiasm fans, which, by the way, Phil and I are probably about as deep as you can go on that and i and i actually thought that season 11 may have been the best season um so tell us about the origins of the name what is tap that ash give us a give us a quick rundown so i moved to arizona from chicago because i got tired of polar vortex and i got sick and tired of saying that so when i moved here i met a young man uh by the name of rasan Lindsay, uh who's from um ohio um and he smoked cigars and he played golf. So the two of us were hanging out. Um, and then our group started to expand. So it turned into Eric Curry. Then it turned into Eric Bell. Then it, and, uh, Ed Baker and then Michael Polite. And we're all guys that are back from, you know, from the East Coast. I mean, so me from Chicago, a couple of guys from Ohio, one of them from Detroit, one from New York, and one from, as I state this clearly, he's from the Quad Cities, Illinois. So he's not from Chicago. What was happening was we were hanging out. We were hanging out in each other's backyards. We had code names, and you know, my backyard happens to be called the Cochise Lounge, and so and it's and it's in honor of uh, Lawrence Hipto Jacobson's character Cochise from the movie Cooley High, Chicago movie. So that that's made the reference. And so what was happening was we were as we were hanging out, we started to hang out at cigar bars and lounges. We wanted to find places to we could smoke outside because in Arizona, weather's you know twenty four hours a day, seven days perfect. 365. And so we wanted to start doing that. What happens is we started inviting friends. And so the six of us as founders turned into 20, 20 turned into 50, 50 turned into a couple of hundred. And so we were just starting to figure out, okay, well, what do we call ourselves? So one night on a um, Zoom call and a, and a conversation, you know, filled with a little bit of libation and a little cigars, kind of came up with the name Tap That Ash. 
and our symbol, which is of a hand and a smoke, and in the smoke is a silhouette of a woman. So that's how I came to be. All right, we got it. So what do you guys do? I mean, what cities are you in and sort of what's the mission? Um, tell us about kind of what's uh, what's behind it and, and what you guys do. And I know that, you know, sure. looking at your site, um, you know, it's interesting because, and we talk about that, you know, we talk about this a lot on on, uh, on this show, is that just the whole camaraderie um, of smoking cigars, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your position, you know, in life is or your net worth or whatever, you know, we sit around, smoke cigars, you know, we sit around and we, you know, we argue and we, uh, you know, we, we agree on some stuff and, you know, so kind of tell us about what, you know, kind of what goes on, what cities that you're in and, you know, the, the mission. Sure. Steve, you just, you hit it right on the nail head. Our tagline is simply this. We are a group of individuals that share genuine, authentic energy. That's simply it. Now, the wonderful part about that is, is that you're right. Um, cigars is what brings us together. Um, but more than anything, it is about being together and really connecting. One of the things that we always try to say is, I could care less about how much money you make, where you live, what kind of car you drive, or any of that kind of stuff. None of that means anything to any of our, our members and people who are with us. The only thing that we'll probably ask you a question directly is simply, how are you doing? I don't want to know about work or any of this other stuff that's extraneous. How are you personally doing? And so the reason why that's kind of like our, 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 our way of going about is that because it is a connection. It is a connection and it's a camaraderie. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood because we've got some ladies who are members too. Um, and, and that's what kind of brings us closer together. We only get together um, every other week. So on Thursday nights, because some of our folks have families and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you want to spend that with your family. But Thursday night is our night. Um, we pick places all around um, the city of, of Phoenix um, and Chandler and Gilbert and, and Scottsdale and Paradise Valley and all those kinds of places. We get together at places that obviously will let us smoke cigars, usually has good food, good drink, things like that. But more along the line, it's, it's just for us to kind of connect with folks. I've got members that don't even smoke cigars. I got members that don't smoke or drink. I got members that just really simply just want to come out, sit down, and some of them don't say anything at all. They just, this is a chance for them to shut down. In their world, they're always on. Yeah. And we've got a who's who list of folks, man. If you look at, look at some of the names on there, you were just like, whoa. It's like, but you'd never know it because that's not how they come in the, in the group. And so we've got members that are not only just in this central Phoenix uh, area um, and in Arizona, but we've got members that are in Chicago. We've got members in Detroit. We've got members in DC. We got Atlanta. We got Denver. We got Seattle. We got LA. And our first, um, one of our uh, charters or chapters that's going to open up is going to be Detroit, and the next one is going to be Chicago. So we're coming to Chicago, man. Tap that edge. That's great. Well, we'll definitely, uh, we would love to be uh, charter members in Chicago. So please, uh, please let us know. And we can uh, certainly have some tap that ash meetings over <laughs> at the place 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove. Tell us about your cigar habits. How long you've been smoking? What do you like to smoke? I talked to you the other night and it was interesting. You were smoking some kind of injected cigar. I don't know if that's cheating or not, oh. um, but tell us a little bit about that. So what makes our club very unique is that we've taught all of our members how to infuse their cigars. Some people will say, hey, you don't dip your cigars. You don't paint anything over the, the, the tobacco or the leaf. That just kind of takes away from it. And I get that. But one of the things that we definitely like that's something that's special about our group is that 
An infusion means that you get the essence of what the libation that you put into the cigar in the smoke. It's not on the leaf. It's not on the wrapper. hasn't been painted on. As you are smoking, you're getting a little bit of a Macallan or Uncle Nearest whiskey or a, a diplomatical rum. You know, these are just a few of the things that we like to infuse our cigars with. And everybody, each member has their own little concoction of how they do it. We actually have gotten a company that now makes our own personalized humid jars. Instead of you infusing in a humidor, wooden humidor, we infuse in glass jars. And so you can purchase those and, you know, they're, they're great kind of ways of doing about it. But, man, that's the only way to smoke it, man. I've seen that video that Arnold Schwarzenegger did. and He literally takes a paintbrush and he paints tequila on the on the cigar. Before you go and smoke the cigar, let me do a little bit of <clears throat> spicing it up. I was like, dude, that's not going. That's not that's not the way you, you smoke it, man. You got to have it inside. And as a matter of fact, I want to tell you, man, tonight in honor of you guys, I'm smoking a Partagas uh, Havana Cuba. So I broke out. I broke out. I broke out the big stick on you. We we may need to call the authorities. I believe that's illegal. So, uh, uh, hey, you know, tell them to come get it from me. I, I, I will. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a red state. <laughs> come come well, get well, it. Look at hey, look at you. Red state. Red state with a south side attitude. That's right. Come get it. <laughs> well, that's great. So, if people want to get involved, if any of our listeners want to get involved with Tap That Ash, how would they do that? I know you guys also sell merch, which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty cool. Tell us about that. If you want to uh, join or be a part of Get to Know Us, you can simply go to tapthatash.club, C L U B. Not .com, but .club. Tap that ash .club. And you get a chance to kind of see the events that we've put on. Um, you know, we're when you probably go to the website, you're going to see that we're not a bunch of ascot kind of wearing kind of guys. We're just everyday kind of guys, man. We enjoy each other's company. There are two tournaments that we put on for golf every year. We do it for Martin Luther King weekend. We do it for Father's Day weekend. I know you're saying Father's Day in Arizona. Hey, it actually works out, man, because, you know, we as fellows, we do like to get a chance to get away, and, and we don't want to be bothered on Father's Day. We want to hang out with the fellas. So we did a, uh, a just one of our last golf tournaments for Father's Day out at a course called Weekapa. So, Phil, when you come on out, man, you got to come out and check out Weekapa. Great, great course. And we had all, uh, 80 golfers out there, you know, just to come out and play and, and, and enjoy. So, yeah, check us out at Tap That Ash. Dot club. I, I have to say, I'm glad that you're, uh, Steve, are saying that last word intently because many people say, did you say tap that? No, nah, I did not say that. I said tap that ash. Uh, that's correct. We, we've, uh, we've got you loud and clear on that. Um, although, we, you know, we see what you're doing there. And by the way, you didn't even originate it for those who are, who are judging us. It's, blame Larry David if you want to blame somebody. So, there you go. gentlemen, what do you think? Uh, what do you say we talk a bit of uh, talk a little bit of sports? Let's do it, man. It's been interesting today. Yeah, it certainly has. There's been a lot of stuff. We're going to start out with, ironically, what was probably the biggest story when we woke up this morning. At least in Chicago, the biggest story was you know the Bears hires, and we are going to talk about that first. Then, as the day went on. Tom Brady retired, and I think it's hilarious how on the day that Tom Brady retired, to say that he was overshadowed by this Brian Flores story, I think is the uh, thing of a lifetime. But let's talk a little bit about this bear stuff for a minute. First of all, I want to make the point that in our last two episodes, Phil predicted 
that Matt Eberflus was going to be the Bears coach. I got to give you credit on that, Phil. You did predict that, all right? Please. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then. All right, so good job. (laughs) All right, so we've got a a GM, Ryan Poles, 13 years with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was there actually for three different administrations, which I I think is pretty interesting. So even though same organization, he's seen a bunch of different stuff. Seems like a really bright guy to me. You know, I'm pretty excited about him. Matt Eberflus, the former defensive coordinator of the Colts, they have been a really good defense, at least a top 10 defense over the last several years, led the league in takeaways the last couple of years. They also hired, by the way, an assistant GM. And I think it's important to note because one of the most important things that Poles is going to need to do is hire people. And he hired Ian Cunningham, who's been with the Philadelphia Eagles for the last 14 years, director of college scouting, assistant director of player personnel, and then uh, director of player personnel in 2021. And that, by all accounts, is a huge hire. That's a guy who's actually been getting GM interviews. So having both of those guys, I think, is great. We also got ourselves an offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, um, coming down as the quarterback coach from Green Bay. So it's a little bit difficult to determine where Aaron Rodgers ends and where Luke Getze starts. But I guess we're going to find out. First time play call. I do think it's interesting. The guy comes with high regard. Here's my take on this whole thing. You know what? We'll see. I have no idea. We'll see. I will tell you that myself, during the press conference, I was really impressed with Ryan Poles. I mean, that's the first time that he's been in the big chair. You know, he did get a little emotional in his opening comments, although I thought he was poised. I thought he gave good answers. He was also on a couple of different um, radio stations afterwards, I think came across very well. By the way, who the hell knows, but seems like a really bright guy. He's got an excellent background. We work with Scott Pioli. Um, he worked ironically with Phil Emery, the uh, former Bears GM as well, when he was the director of scouting there and has worked most recently the last eight years with Andy Reid. So he's gotten a lot of really good exposure. I don't know. I mean, I'm optimistic about the guy, but we'll find out. Phil, I guess, what's your take on all the, uh, on all the hires? Uh, you know, I think they're great. I, I, I do agree with you. I think Ryan Paul's, I, I like the youth factor in him. I think young people bring a lot to almost everything in life, um, but I like the fact that what he's uh, what he's coming in with the assistant GM thing. You know, I don't know. I believe it's the first assistant GM that Bears have ever had. I don't think they've ever had one before. So yeah, I know he's going to report directly to polls, but he also has some talent. I think uh, the more talent you bring in, the better your odds are. But once again, I kind of agree with you. Who knows? Um, Everybody looks great at a press conference. There's no doubt about it. Everybody's thankful for their opportunities and uh, deservingly so. I mean, that's how life works. Um, you know, with the Bears, it's uh, they got a history of it not working out. So I hope for these individuals it does work out. And as a lifelong Bears fan, I certainly hope it works out. But I like the direction they're going. I like this guy from uh, from Green Bay that's bringing in this Luke uh, Getze or Getze, however you say his name. Though I don't know how much influence he had with Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, anybody could have been the uh, quarterback's coach there and, and would have been successful. So we'll see how he does with the Bears. But, you know, the Bears certainly are going to put a lot of emphasis on developing Justin Fields. So they're going to need a guy that has some experience well, with quarterback. So I think that's a, it's a good decision. Getsy got a head coaching interview this year with the Broncos, and he got one last year as well. So he's clearly a highly regarded guy. I mean, he has not called plays in the NFL 
you know, so we'll see. I mean, Daniel, you got any take on the uh, on the hires? And then I want to I want to ask Phil about another concept related you just to this to- topic. You just tossed me the you just tossed me the no look dime, man. He, the man has not done what anything. He is okay. I, and then my curiosity comes to why would we take that chance? With a, why with, would we take? I'm, and, I, and I'm a I'm a diehard Bears fan with a first time GM. I'm you're talking, saying you're saying why would you take the chance with a first time GM? Why would you take the chance? So here and 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 and, to, and here's my reason why. We know that we've got a family that has been running the Bears since forever, and you're bringing in somebody who looks the part. It's talking the part. It's almost like you can dress him up, and he looks and sounds good at the at the press conference. But you're dealing with a a stalwart, strong family that really runs that organization. So, how much can that young man really kind of take in and learn, or what can he do, or how much leash are they going like allow him to have? I believe that he will be empowered to do his job. I mean, I do think it's going to be really up to him whether he succeeds or fails. Yes, I do find it a little bit curious that once again, we have a first-time GM and a first-time coach. And by the way, that's not ultimately bad. I went through all the NFL coaches yesterday. And if you take a look at the first-time coaches, even who are coaching right now, the Super Bowl has got two first-time coaches that are coaching against each other. So I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily, it doesn't really bother me. The other thing is, from a GM standpoint, I'm less worried about that only because although coaches seem to get second chances a lot of the time, interestingly, GMs don't. It's extremely uncommon for a GM to get recycled. So I think you find the best young guy that you can and you take it from there. So Phil, a question I wanted to ask you. So Eberflus, obviously a uh, defensive-minded coach. How do you feel about that? I mean, how do you feel about defensive-minded coach? Because I've got some thoughts on that, but I want to get your take first. Well, I think I've said it in the past. Um, once again, this is uh, the NFL has turned into an offensive league. The defenses of lore, with the Bears especially, may have won you football back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, but it's an offensive league. My fear with a defensive guy is he brings in an offensive coordinator, which he did. If this guy has any amount of success with Justin Fields, he will be the next head coach candidate for another team, and he may leave. And then you're starting to cycle all over good. again. Where if you brought in an offensive guy as a head coach, if he's a good, successful head coach, hopefully the McCaskies wouldn't screw it up and it would keep him for a long time. But uh, I would have rather seen an offensive guy. But once again, we'll see how it plays so out. So I, I have actually come around to the other side on that. You know, the problem that you know that you just sort of ran through. You know, if he does a good job with Fields, he'll get a head coaching job. Guess what? I'll take that friggin' problem any day of the week. When is the last time that somebody on the Bears offensive staff became a head coach? None of us were born. If this guy does well enough that he becomes a head coach based on Justin Fields' success, I'm fine with that. I just want success. I don't care how it comes. I'm not going to worry about replacing him before we even do anything. So if our biggest problem is that he's successful, that's fine. And here's the other thing. The other reason that I think I like the idea of a defensive-minded coach, so number one is Eberflus already said that he's not going to call the plays on defense. So he's actually going to be an actual head coach. He's going to have a defensive coordinator, and I think that's really good because 
no matter how good you are, you can screw up if you are trying to be both a coordinator and the head coach on game day. And for anybody who watched, you know, who watched these games on Sunday, who is supposed to be the smartest guy in the NFL right now? Sean McVay, the Rams coach. Did you see what that guy did? He lost two challenges and went into the fourth quarter with no timeouts. It was possibly the greatest coaching mismanagement job I have ever seen. And he's supposed to be the smartest guy in the league. So, and, and why did that happen? It happened because when you're calling plays, particularly on the offensive side, you can't be focused on the whole game. But here's my point. I would rather ha- know that this Luke Getze guy, the offensive coordinator, has nothing else to worry about in his whole life than running this offense. You know what? Not worried about defense, not worried about special teams. He's not worried about having to go to the podium four or five times a week like the head coach does. He is going to be focused only on offense and only on Justin Fields. And it's something I've been thinking about for the last few days. And then interestingly, Fields did a media availability yesterday after the coach and the GM And I thought it was interesting. He said the same thing. He said he likes the fact that there's going to be a guy that is only focused on the offense and only focused on him. One last thing. Another thing that I really liked hearing from Eberflus, and by the way, I was less impressed with him. Not that it matters because just like you said, Daniel, it means nothing until they go on the field. But um, I did like the idea that he said that the offensive philosophy is going to be they're going to build an offense around what Justin Fields does well, right? So it's not going to be, we're not going to come in with a system. We're going to figure out what is this guy comfortable doing? What is he good at doing? And we're going to build the offense around that. Sounds like Harbaugh in, in Baltimore. What did they do? They built that offense around Lamar. It's the same thing you got going on in Kansas City. They built that offense around Mahomes, who should have been a bear. I don't want to. I don't want to throw that out don't, there. I know that hurts. Don't, don't get me going on that. Well, by the way, hey, can I, can I can I throw a quick slide in story? Yes, please do. I got a so my, one of my very good friends is the one of the team psychiatrists for the NFL teams. He was in on the meeting with Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky with the Bears. And I literally got a call after he had all three of those interviews. And he said, your team is screwed. They're picking some dude from North Carolina. I said, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Literally 30 minutes later on the hotline, the Bears picture Trubisky. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We could have had Mahomes. Well, here's the one thing that I always like to say about this. Yeah, we could have had Mahomes or Watson. And the funny thing about that is not only did we draft Trubisky, so Ryan Pace traded two picks so we could move up one spot. So think about this. So we wouldn't mm-hmm. have to settle for Mahomes or Watson, meaning that – think about that. So we wouldn't have to settle for them because, by the way, the 49ers were not going to pick a quarterback anyway. They were the you know ones in front of them. But even if they had, he thought that Trubisky was so much better than the other two guys that he didn't want to settle for them. But you know what? That's old. We don't need to talk about that. That's, Sorry. That's old, you know, that's, old, that's old news. So that's the Bears hires. Any other thoughts on that, Phil, from you? No, I just think, you know, let's let this play out. Like we said, there's, you know, you said that earlier about the other teams have taken GMs and, and assistant GMs and coaches that had no experience and done well. Let's never forget, though. They weren't hired for or had to work for the McCaskies, a set of owners that just have a track record of really just bad. 
So, you know, let's see how this plays out. I hope it, once again, I hope it plays out. I'll just say this. Related to the McCaskies, the track record speaks for itself. So I'm certainly not going to defend them in any way. And they've actually been worse over the last 11 years since George McCaskey's been the chairman. I mean, that's just simply, you know, a fact. But I will say this. It's primarily because they've hired the wrong people. And if these guys are the right guys and I'm going to give them an opportunity to fail, then the Bears can be successful. So let's just see what happens. Let's try to be optimistic or at least give them an opportunity to to succeed or fail, and we'll take it from there. All right, so let's talk about football. So this past weekend, um, Bengals over Chiefs, and I will tell you, um, I mean, no other way to look at that except for a complete choke job by Kansas City. I mean, they're up 21-3 to at the half, managed to score three points between the second half and overtime and lose that game. Um, and by the way, I brilliantly took the Chiefs and – the over in that game. So I lo- I went 0 for 2 in that game. Mm. So good job by me there. And then Rams over Niners. And unfortunately, the Rams won by three. I gave three and a half. So I lost in that game as well. I think we found out that Jimmy Garoppolo, who now will get cut, was not good enough to to do what he needs to do. He will be somewhere next year. You know, maybe Pittsburgh, maybe the Texans, one of these places. You say back up for the Bears. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I think I think we're going back with Nick Foles. But any uh, any recap from you guys on these games? Any thoughts? Yeah. So I can tell you this. Um, the instantly when I saw the four teams, I thought about the Super Bowl that was played some years ago with uh, the Bengals and the 49ers. And I felt in my NFL conspiracy that this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to bring it back, and we're going to do it all over again. I, I don't, and that's probably because I don't have any love for the Rams at all, none whatsoever. But I was not shocked at the fact that Cincinnati pulled that game out and and the the way that they did. Not shocked at all. Because if you looked at the way Kansas City was playing earlier on in the season, it was kind of just, you know, sooner or later, but time, it was going to happen again. They were looking good for the the best of the season. They got there to the championship game. But I just felt like the overconfidence that we'll always be able to make it. We can always try to put something together. And and it was overblown in the game before, which does happen to be one of the greatest playoff games that's ever been played in the modern day. No question. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, Dan. Yeah. And, and, you know, Steve, to go back to what you said a minute ago in your slight bashing of Garoppolo, let's not forget one of the reasons they got to that game was because of him. So kudos to him. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL. We all know that. But uh, kudos to him to get in there. I've watched. Quite a few of their games this year. The guy had a great season, and for a lot of reasons, they got to that game because of him. They got there in spite of him, in my opinion. Here's the thing. If you look at the cap stuff, and as you know, Phil, I sit around and study the uh, the NFL salary cap every night. If you look at the cap situation, they can cut him. They can cut him and and save $22.5 million. They drafted Trey Lance. They might as well... You know, they might as well use him. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Garoppolo. He had a lousy game the other night. He was fortunate to sort of skate by in that Green Bay game. Yeah, I mean, they made it as far as they did with him as a quarterback. Um, but I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl with Garoppolo, and he is he is definitely going to be uh, he's definitely going to be gone. Yeah, the only, the only other thing I had to say to conclude on that game was uh, you know going into overtime. Thank God we didn't get to the same scenario that we had the week before in the greatest NFL game ever yep. played. And that, that, in my opinion, stupid rule didn't come up where one of the teams doesn't even get a shot at playing offense. Uh, I almost thought we were going to see deja vu all over again. Uh, I'm glad to, that uh, their defense stepped up 
and that we didn't see that scenario again, which once again, I hope that rule gets revisited, especially for the playoffs. Uh, you can't let just one team have a shot at offense and have a great game decided by a coin toss, which really is what it Could was. Could not agree more. And thank God that, you know, that it didn't play out that way because that's what the postseason would have been remembered for. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm thinking you, you should change the, I know this sounds crazy. I would change the damn overtime rule in advance of the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, imagine if you had that happen in the Super Bowl. Now there's been, you know, there's been two overtimes in a row in the playoffs and all you really have to do. And, you know, it would be fair. All you really have to do is just say that both teams must get the ball in overtime. And then it's sudden death after that. What do we think about the, uh, what do you think about this game? We'll have another episode before, but what's your early thoughts right now? It's Rams giving four. I've not really, made a decision i'm probably a slight lean um to cincinnati right now what do you guys think of that i, I agree with you i'm a little too early to tell it but i will i would say that again i hate going through the nfl conspiracy just like nba conspiracy i think that the that they want the rams to win they, they've placed a lot of money into that team and, and and they're playing that super bowl at home Feels like Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there, except that, uh, you know, I think uh, L.A. right now, I'll tell you, the unsung hero, um, I've been amazed at his play, especially in the playoffs. OBJ is just okay. doing it all. And you got OBJ and this Cooper Cup, I'll tell you what, that guy is a gamer uh, and bring it on and they're playing at home. Uh, I There's no doubt in my mind, I think they're a definitive favorite, but they're fun to watch. And once again, I've been shocked at OBJ. He's been playing some phenomenal football. Phil, who do you think Cooper Cup reminds you from, from the Bears, man? Uh, I can only think of one player. Uh, Dennis McKinnon? No. Okay. I did not think Dennis McKinnon. You were thinking Tom Waddle. I I like the choice. I was thinking Waddle. Absolutely. I was thinking Waddle. I don't disagree with you at all. I'll tell you what. I love Waddle. I'll tell you who he reminds me of is the announcer of the game. He reminds me a lot of Chris Collinsworth, how he played. Yeah, I'll tell you this though, man. Um, Cooper Cup, that guy. I mean, say what you want. That that guy has been the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. I mean, I, I'm. I mean, I understand Jamar Chase is great and Devontae Adams great or whatever. I mean, Cooper Cup, the guy has been unbelievable. Just so good. And yeah, I, I, you got to give um, you got to give um, Odell Beckham Jr. a lot of credit because the guy looked like he was on a path to self-destruction and maybe he had a good point in Cleveland, you know, in terms of getting out of there. And he has been, you know, by all accounts, a great teammate. He, he w- he's been an excellent performer in the playoffs. I mean, I give the guy a hell of a lot of credit. And I'll tell you right now, um, if he would take a two-year deal, I mean, we need wide receivers next year. I would look at Odell, Be- if Odell Beckham, as long as he wants to be there, which I'm not sure that he ever wanted to be in Cleveland, um, I would take a chance on that guy because it appears that he has matured. And I think he, and he's been injured for and complaining for so long. I think we forgot how damn good that the guy is. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And I think that say what you want. Joe Burrow is going to, if they win the Super Bowl, he is going to be the next celebrity of a lifetime. He is the ultimate Joe Cool. As you know, he's a, you know, he's also a cigar smoker, 20, 
four-year-old guy, won a national championship, has now gotten to the Super Bowl, it played incredibly well. But the Rams defense, though, is all about pass rush. You know, with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd, he's going to have to keep himself off the ground if they're going to win that game. But I'm a slight lean to the Bengals. What's your official pick there, Phil? I'm going with L.A. Okay. Dan, you got L.A.? Yeah. You got conspiracy I'm, man i'm i'm, I'm gonna go actually i'm gonna go out on a limb man i'm going out on the limb and i'm gonna hang myself out there i'm going with cincinnati okay i'm going with cincinnati because i'm a midwest guy and i believe in the midwest great lakes region and i agree I'm with you with said cincinnati. i agree with you said steve about burrow you know you got one goat left the league today and uh you know hard shoes to fill but this burrow with his age with his attitude with his swagger the guy stays healthy he could have a he, he could have a mark remarkable career yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited about that guy. So you mentioned the GOAT, so let's talk about Tom Brady. Adam Schefter broke a story the other night that he was retiring. He then went on his podcast, uh, ironically, last night and denied it, and then all of a sudden woke up this morning and said, well, since I'm lying anyway, I might as well just admit that I'm retiring. And, you know, he came out retired, which I thought was uh, – kind of interesting but not surprising you know in football there's a saying that if you're thinking about retiring then you're already retired um you know i give the guy credit he went out on top i mean leading the league in yards completions and you know and uh touchdown passes this year uh you know they lost that game against the rams but you know give that guy credit he you know he was good he done i mean he played his last game from a wheelchair come on man this dude is is incredible and 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 for the for the mere fact that you know someone said it made mention of the fact that if he retired officially at the end of the season, I think it was like thirteen or fourteen million he was supposed to receive. Does he really merit at this point? He 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 goes down in the record books as the greatest of all time. Yeah, agree. So let's get to uh, what I think is absolutely the big story of the day. So Brian Flores, ex Dolphins coach, who got fired at the end of the year there. He has sued the NFL and three teams, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging discrimination regarding the interview process. And, you know, we don't need to go, we can go into the detail a little bit. He's also alleging that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross tried to incentivize him to tank to improve their draft position in 2019. So he is saying that Stephen Ross, who, by the way, has a reputation for being a loose cannon, offered him a hundred grand a game bonus for every game that he lost. And he responded by saying he is going to attempt to win every game and he will not accept any money for any losses. And by the way, um, I'd just like to say that I believe him. Um, and he also is alleging that uh, Stephen Ross invited him to his yacht in 2019. And he also, uh, just by coincidence, uh, invited Deshaun Watson, who he was trying to recruit to get to the Dolphins, which, by the way, being that Deshaun Watson was signed with another team, that is also a rules violation of tampering. And Flores said he went there, he saw that Deshaun Watson was there, and he left. And then there's this really interesting story in there as well where there is a text thread between Flores and Bill Belichick because uh, Flores is a is a Patriots guy um and evidently he uh, Belichick thought that he was texting with Brian Dayball but he was actually texting with Brian Flores and it, it became it's very clear 
in that text thread, just to give you the bottom line, that the Giants were already committed to hiring Dayball, even though they interviewed Flores three days after they basically had already hired Dayball. And the reason, you know, and, and he's obviously alleging it's because they had to check the box on the Rooney rule by interviewing a diversity candidate. So here's my take on this. You know what? Like anything else, it's a lawsuit, it's a court case, and sometimes we get ourselves in trouble by overreacting to the first media report. I have had a history of doing that myself, but here's what I do want to tell you. The NFL clearly has a a head coach diversity hiring problem if you consider the fact that there are 32 teams and there's one black head coach. I mean, I'm sorry. That's a problem. And I'll I'll turn it over to you guys. And and Daniel, I know you've got some thoughts on this in in particular to you. Here's my take on this. If you're looking at two candidates and there's a black guy and a white guy, do I think that there is intentional racism in the, you know, in the NFL where a guy is not getting hired specifically because he's black? So hear me out on this. I actually do not think that. But here's what I do think. Is there systemic racism in the NFL that prevents black coaches from getting hired? Yes, I don't think there's any question about that. Because take a look at this Shane Dayball thing with with the Giants. You know what I mean? You got a guy, he had his guy, Brian Dayball. He knew he was going to hire him right out of the gate, and he just hired him. And, you know, there's nine coach openings in the NFL, and so far – there have been four hires and all four were white dudes. And now, by the way, while we were on this podcast, there is news that, that, um, there is news tonight that Jim Harbaugh is either going to be coaching the, uh, the Vikings or the Dolphins by tomorrow morning. And interestingly enough, Harbaugh is going to have to make a decision because tomorrow is national signing day. So he's either going to make, he's either going to say that he's fully committed tonight to Michigan or he's not. So. I know that I just went over a lot of stuff there, but you know, what's your take on the whole Flores thing, um, Daniel, and and just in general the NFL diversity hiring problem in a league where you know the players are eighty seven percent black? So I will have to tell you that I've got a, I've kind of got an inside track to a little bit on this NFL. Um, a couple of relatives of mine have been former players. A couple of people that I know have worked in the NFL, and um, as high up as being in the commissioner's office. So when I saw that that he got fired immediately at the end of the season, I kind of felt like this was going to be a rippling effect that was going to affect uh, that was going to happen across the across the league. I think it's unfortunate that it happened. I think when it does come down to um, owners being, as I've heard reporters say, that they have to feel comfortable with who's going to be leading the team. And this whole idea that the comfort level is going to be somebody who looks like them or who is, is in, in resemblance of them, I, I find that kind of hard to stomach a little bit because there are some great qualified candidates on, on any spectrum. But I think if it comes down to experience and know-how and it's proven, I think many of the coaches that should have opportunities are not getting those opportunities who happen to be black. And I can even tell you that I was kind of surprised even about the Bears pick. Not that I thought they would have picked Byron Leftwich, but he would have been a great a bit of a great choice. Um, I look at the way that the Cardinals handled the the uh, Steve Wilkes situation and then brought this guy in who's here now. I'm not a fan of him at all. And it was proven in the playoffs because the Cardinals flopped. They suck. And, and, and so I, I'm not surprised at how these kinds of things are going on. Um, and it didn't surprise me about 
the text from Bill Belichick. It didn't surprise me about, um, you know, the way that the owners are acting. I, I think what, what, is, what it comes down to is simply this. If there is a Rooney rule, there's a Rooney rule because there's been a, a long systemic reason. You, you answered it perfectly, Steve. If it's been, for as long as it existed that it's been, there still has not been headway. Let me take it to home. When was the last time that the Bears went to the Super Bowl? Who had who was the head coach? Lovey Smith. I think he was a black guy. Oh, yeah, I, I, and that, that's it. That's all I got to say. Well, to me though, it's just about it's about the hiring process. They need to just figure out. They just need to make sure that they are getting adequate diversity in the interview room. You know what I mean? And and by the way, and then hire the best candidate. Yeah, but but. but, but but don't but don't hire your guy that you were going to hire right, anyway, and then still interview this guy. That no, you no, gonna, I totally agree. You're not totally agree. With. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. figure out a way to fix the process. Maybe they need. To, unfortunately, it seems that these guys need to have guidelines for the process. And by the way, that's why I think this is going to be such a big story because this off season they are going to just overhaul the whole hiring process. You know, and I thought it was interesting. The Bears Ryan Poles. Do I think that he hired the guy that he wanted? Uh, I actually do think that because people always talk about, it drives me crazy, this Eric Bieniemy thing in Kansas City. Well, why isn't Eric Bieniemy getting an opportunity or whatever? Here's the deal with Eric Bieniemy. So do I think that Eric Bieniemy was not hired because he's black? Actually, I don't think that because he's been interviewed so much and and Ryan Poles is the guy who knew him the best if anyone was going to at least bring him in for an interview it you know it was Ryan Poles but the whole thing is I totally agree with you you can't just simply make the decision in your head and then check the box you know what I mean by bringing in at some Rooney rule candidate there needs to be and, and unfortunately it's it's unfortunate these guys have to be governed and it may you know as far as I'm concerned it may turn out that they may say you have to interview seven candidates and you know you got to have a minimum of three diversity it's just unfortunate that that has to happen because these guys just need to be open-minded because they are missing talent by doing this wrong because yeah why is byron leftwich not have a job why does you know why does todd bowles not have a job i mean it these guys are just it's just not right yeah, and I, you know, and I don't have much. To, I don't have much to say in this because uh, you two guys hit every nail on the head I would have discussed. So I, I'm I'm right there with both you guys. So I don't want to rehash it, but uh, you're absolutely right. This definitely has to get looked at. There's no doubt about it. You know, one of the things that you also got to look at is that you're asking owners of teams to change in a sense of their ways. When the 32 of them get into a room, that's a different mindset. Yeah. All these guys are super alpha. It's the same thing with the NBA and their ownership. All these guys all feel like they've got the biggest jock in the room. You can't tell me anything. I'll do what I want to do. I run this whole world. I mean, come on. It's Jerry Jones. And by the way, all of them are old white dudes, too. We got to, I mean, that's, you know, when you talk about somebody who looks like me, comfortable with the person or whatever. And by the way, that's not good. Um, but I'm simply saying, like, yeah, that's who's making the decision. And part of the thing, here, here's the thing. I just want to jump in on this. One of the reasons that diversity is is important is because it yields better decisions. Because you get a group of people that is representative of what the population 
thinks and feels and you just get differing opinions. You get different input. You get people from different backgrounds and it almost seems like there needs to be a figure out, there need to figure out a way to sort of inject diversity into that owner's group. And I'm not sure exactly how you do that, but yeah, I mean, it's 32 old white dudes getting in a room. Money. <laughs> it's, it's money. It's money. It's purely money. And, and you got to have the money and you got to be willing to get into that room and, and, and do it. And, and for the reason why there's not an, in a black or even a minority football ownership Although many groups have tried, I don't understand that reason why, but hey, until those kind of things change, then we're still going to be talking about a Rooney rule, which is one of the, one of the you know, all-time families that have owned a football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, having to put that rule into place. And yet here is the same coach that they've had, and they've only had how many coaches? Three in, their, in the last 50 entire, years or something. Yeah. Three. So what does that tell you about organizations and how they run and, and, and what they think about? You know, I get it. Well, guys, there's some underlying, there's some underlying stuff under there. Uh, that's, and maybe that's for another show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously we could talk about this uh, all day and guys, we've, uh, we've gone a little bit longer than we normally have tonight. We have reached the end of episode 10 of cigars and sports Chicago's Daniel. It has been great having you on Daniel Davis tap that, Ash, and if you want to get any Tap That Ash merch or find out more about Tap That Ash, where can you do that as we say goodbye to you to make sure we get it in there one more time? You get that at www.tapthatash.club, C-L-U-B dot club. Daniel, it's a pleasure meeting you. Uh, I look forward to, uh, I'm definitely going to hook up with you and get a hold of you when I'm down south there. Hey, man, I, I got a course for you to play when we come out here, man. I want you to play Longbow. It's my favorite course here in, in the Arizona, man. Love to give it a shot. Well, um, I won't be there with you guys. And and by the way, Phil, you won't be going to spring training when you're down there either. So, you know. Well, that's that's probably because you suck at golf. Um, I am going to recommit myself um, to golf this year, and I'm sure that I'm better than you. All right, guys, so that's it. I want to thank our producer, Bear, as always. Uh, that is Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 10. We will talk to you again next week, and uh, who the hell knows what will be going on then. So thanks a lot, and uh, that's it. Out. Of nature growing in the rushes down by the riverside.